This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. On Joy now, Transpositions. A safe place for trans communities, our friends and our allies to share our experiences. We'll discuss our issues, our challenges and our successes. We'll occasionally make you cry and hopefully we'll educate and inspire you. Welcome to Transpositions on Joy 94.9. You're on Joy 94.9 and welcome to Transpositions. I'm Kurt and I'm your host for this evening and I'm joined by Ruben and Nate, two FTM Melbourne boys. And um, tonight we're going to hear Ruben's story uh, because Ruben's got an interesting story that um, is a little um, off the linear of the norm of a trans man. And um, we're also going to talk a little bit about chest surgery without hormones, um, so chest surgery without testosterone or anything. Um, uh, it is um, quite popular to get chest surgery um, if you're not identifying as trans, and um, it's also possible to get it without testosterone. And we also want to touch a little bit on STPs, which are stand to peas, and male bathroom etiquette, which is um, it's a big topic, and it's going to be an interesting one, and I'm looking forward to it because... Um, Ruben and Nate certainly um, sound like they've got some interesting things to say. Um, if you if you would like to actually SMS O four two seven Joy nine four nine and let us know your thoughts on surgery without hormones, you can find the front desk one three hundred Joy nine four nine, or you can email on air at joy.org.au. And I'd also like to remind you that our podcasts are up; they're available from the Joy website joy.org.au, and you can also find our Facebook link there uh, joy.org.au. You're on Transpositions on Joy 94.9. You're on Transpositions on Joy 94.9. And I'm Kurt and I'm your host this evening and I've got Nate and Ruben in the studio. How are you guys? Thanks, self. Not too bad. <laughs> um, now, Ruben, um, we're interested in hearing your story um, of sort of y- how you came about and how you um, identify and sort of... Um, how you got to this point um, because Ruben's sitting in front of me and Nate and he's got a um, big scruffy beard and he's <laughs> very manly looking and okay. <laughs> no worries man um, so yeah how did how did you how did you get to where you are long story for a few minutes but um, yeah so uh, I guess the first memory of um, feeling like I was male was when I was three years old um, Three, you can yeah. remember all the way back to three years yep. old. Wow. Yep. That's my first clear memory. Yep. Um, yeah, got pretty angry when mum said that I was a girl and not a boy. Um, yeah, and there was a whole lot of um, situations like that where that occurred. But I um, I don't know, you just, as a kid, you, well, I don't speak for myself, but as a kid, I obviously didn't know that there was an option available to me to actually um for the world to see me as male as i felt on the inside so um sort of wrap it up as something else and um 
you know, obviously you see the shame. Well, I saw the shame of my family, my mum and dad, that um, I was always mistaken for a boy. So you sort of just learn to adapt, I guess, and just get on with it. So, um, you know, as I got older, I um, found myself attracted to women. So I thought it must mean I'm um, gay. I didn't like using the term lesbian because that... Um, for me had associations with being female and it just didn't fit for me but mm-hmm. um yeah it's sort of yeah and then I got into you know partying a lot and you know not really thinking about my identity just um yeah losing myself in that for quite a few years um and then it's taken me I'm 39 so um it's taken me quite a while to get to this point where I um you know uh, feel more myself than ever before. Um, I guess one thing that's interesting or unusual in terms of my story compared to other trans guys I've spoken to is my journey around surgery. Um, so in 2007, um, I sought uh, Dr. Hassel's help um, through the gender clinic in New South Wales and um, went to Megan Hassel and um, just wanted to get a breast reduction. I just thought if I had a breast reduction, everything will be okay. Um, I'll feel more comfortable in myself. And I remember I went and saw her and uh, I remember she said to me, and I was quite shocked by it because um, I'd seen the psychiatrist before um before Megan and he said to me do you want to transition and I was quite shocked at the fact that they'd even asked me um that question um and again the surgeon said to me she didn't believe that she thought I'd be happy until they were completely gone and I just thought she was rude and Mm -hmm. um but obviously she (laughs) she knew a little bit better than I did um so I lived like that for five years with a breast reduction and things Mm -hmm. certainly improved because I was I felt like I was less visibly um, female, um, so that made me a bit more comfortable. But I, um, I went back to after five years of living um, like that. I was uh, there was a guy at my work who started transitioning, and I remember feeling um, envious, you mm-hmm. know, that he'd transition. And I started watching heaps of transition videos, and mm-hmm. um, I just kept feeling really envious and jealous of people that had um, gone through with the process. Um, and that's at that point I decided to um, that I was female, but I wanted to have a double mastectomy. So I went to Andy Ives, or went back to Finton Hart in Melbourne, a psychiatrist, and um, then went to Andy. And again, they both asked me if I wanted to transition. Again, I said no. Mm. Um, and then uh, had the surgery. Uh, and obviously, at that point, I hadn't started testosterone because I didn't want to being male in my Mm. denial at that point um but as soon as I had the surgery it was like I saw myself in the mirror for the first time as male um and it was just really obvious to me from that point and that so that was uh October 2012 30th of October 2012 Mm, so quite recently Mm -hmm. Mm. yep and so um you really liked the feeling of of having a flat chest Mm-hmm. And that kind of led you to start thinking about testosterone and mm. um yeah, well, I think like the what sort of surprises me is looking back on my story, like the level of denial that I still had around my identity and the i guess the courage that I needed to muster up in order to 
make the decision that this is something I felt strong enough to go through and this was, you know, a 100% decision that I needed to make. It took quite a while. Um, but I think more so than enjoying the flat chest, actually seeing myself in the mirror and it all falling into place. Like, that mm-hmm. was my moment of realisation and... Um, my partner at the time, uh, no longer my partner cause, because of the transition, um, yeah, was quite shocked, obviously, when I started speaking about the fact that I was male and um, was going to uh, proceed with the transition. So it was certainly, you know, a different thing for her to try and get her head around mm-hmm. her girlfriend at the time having a double mastectomy, but then obviously her girlfriend being her boyfriend because mm. um, yeah. she identified as lesbian. So, yeah. Yeah, it is a tough one when you're transitioning with a partner. Um, Nate, did you have a partner when you were going through um, early transition? Yeah, so when I first sort of came out and started to transition, I did sort of have a partner and I suppose had a similar situation um, in terms of of that, you know. um, I was, I suppose, lucky that... um, within our relationship um she didn't that sort of wasn't the main issue i suppose um and she was sort of quite supportive and sort of happy to have a boyfriend for you know want of a better term um so yeah so i suppose it was but but for me it was quite scary i think that that makes it quite intimidating trying to tell your partner who you know identifies as a gay person Mm. that you know Mm. to the outside world if they stay with you you're going to look sort of like You're gonna, a straight couple. Yeah, blend in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, my partner was concerned about that too. Um, just the whole, my sexuality is now labelled a different word. Mm. And um, But I suppose, um, Ruben, um, you were saying that you were going through denial about being male inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and was it, your, having to tell your partner... Was that part of the denial? Did that sort of stop you from saying, actually, this is what I want? No, I think um, I think I'd buried it deep before that because obviously having known from being three um, that it was deep down in there. And um, I think one of the things that actually stopped me from wanting to go forth with the transition was my idea of what it meant to be male. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd obviously internalise some of societal beliefs around what it means to be male, you know, big, burly, ooh, 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 sort of yeah. um, masculine, uh, masculine um, meathead sort of yeah. male. That's, Footy, and I thought, yeah. I don't, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I thought, that's not me, yeah. so I can't be male because I don't identify with that. Mm-hmm. And um, especially a fellow in uh, Trans Guy in Sydney story on FTM Australia website, um, who was talking about the continuum of um, being masculine and I really identified with that because I thought, well, I can just be me. I Mm -hmm. don't have to fit any particular stereotype. And, um, yeah, so it certainly wasn't the partner I was with. It was more my idea of what it meant to be masculine and also if um, I wasn't going to proceed with lower surgery, um, I had this uh, internalised transphobia, I guess, around um, I'm not a real guy. Yeah. If You'll I, always be a trans guy, never. Yeah, yeah. A bio so guy. there was that sort of fear, mm-hmm. um, plus internalised phobias that I guess made me 
hesitant to to take that next step. Yep, absolutely. Mm. Um, We'll come back with uh, more on um, the denial part of Ruben's story and also um, just life as a trans man. Um, Continuing on the topics that we are, you're listening to Transpositions on Joy 94.9. At Joy 94.9, there are approximately 300 volunteers bringing you over 75 shows, 24 hours per day, seven days a week. That's a lot of facts and figures to take in, but here's one more number for you to think about. 1-300-569-949. That's the number to call to talk to the Joy sales team about becoming a Joy sponsor. One phone call can get your business on air and online, reaching thousands of Joy listeners at a price you can afford. 1-300-JOY-949. That's 1-300-569-949. You're listening to Transpositions on Joy 94.9. And Ruben uh, was just talking about how he struggled with a little bit of denial on um, what it means to be male. And and I know that I went through a little bit of that and um, I started really looking at other men on the tram and and when I was walking past other men, everyone probably thought I was a big, (laughs) sleazy gay boy. Um, But I'd always really become more aware of how other men presented and if the, if they were a softer man um, and that it was okay to be a softer man and, and that that I do know people who are not big, beefy, burly, footy beer men, but they are like a soft guy and that's okay. And um, that was something that I had to learn as well. Mm-hmm. Nate, I wondered if you sort of went through um, that with, do, am I, do I identify with male or, um, you know, because yeah. I know some people don't identify as either because they might struggle with that gender um, binary. I think that for me it was more that I struggled with it in terms of when I wanted to go get my psychiatrist letters and say that, you know, I was a trans guy and that I did tick off these boxes. And I remember sort of sitting beforehand going, well, but I'm not like, you know, I don't think I'm hyper-masculine and I don't really want to be that kind of, you know, I just want to be kind of, you know, me and all that sort of stuff. And I guess I was lucky that majority of men in my life are sort of, I suppose, Softer, I don't know that that kind of that that they're okay and comfortable with um, femininity and all those mm-hmm. sorts of things within their identity as a male. Um, so for me, it was more just trying to find that balance, but still trying to prove that I really was a guy. Like yeah. you know, like oh, still getting scared of spiders and things like that. Yeah, um, but you know, like <laughs> so it was more around the I suppose logistics of it that I was concerned in terms of masculinity Mm. Mm. i do remember one thing i said to my psychiatrist was i'm worried about getting in guy situations and he just looked at me like i was an idiot and just went what do you mean by guy situations and i was like oh in fights and things you know don't guys beat each other up and and he said you're not gonna you know he was sitting there he was sort of um he's a softer guy as well if he doesn't mind me saying i'm not saying his name but um and he was just sitting there and i kind of the look on his face made me realize that i was being stupid thinking that that being a bloke means that there's a potential to be beaten up because mm. it doesn't it's not all like that mm. yeah i think that's the thing though like you yeah we we see pictures of what it means to be male or female and we internalize those things and don't even realize it so mm. i mean there they were sorts of fears for me as well and would i be taken seriously as a guy mm-hmm like, you know, like there's different circles I move in um, with lots of cis guys and um, I'm often questioning myself 
they they probably would have no idea, but there'll be a dialogue going on in my own mind about am I saying the right thing? Do I? Because often they can look quite disinterested, <laughs> uh, sort of stand side by side, not mm-hmm. much, make much eye contact, and there's yeah. like this whole different ritual of interacting and yep. um and, and so that's taken a while to sort of absolutely. get my head around as well so, yeah yeah um one of the things that was really stood out for me was you can't get too excited when you're having a man-to-man conversation you just got to kind of be monotone and sort of <laughs> just talk, talk from your chest and <laughs> you know it's, there's so many little different things that you do notice and especially early on in transition you just kind of go whoa today this happened and it was totally mm. crazy and just yeah, like, uh, I still will never forget, like, a random person at the bus, like, at the tram stop. Um, I was st- standing there, an old, sort of older guy, middle-aged guy standing next to me, and a woman walked past, and then he, he looked at me, he's like, hey, all right, and I'm just kind of like, what? <laughs> That's not nice. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's like, Does that, is that what guys do? Like, this is weird. Mm, yeah, it's sort of this unspoken look that mm. guys have, yeah. Mm. I did notice that look. When I presented as female, sometimes I'd see that look happen between guys and get a little bit pissed off that I wasn't invited, mm-hmm. you know, um, or a bit pissed off that I totally knew what they were, like, giving each other a look about, but they thought I didn't sort of thing. So, yeah, it's interesting, and it also um, leads us on to bathroom etiquette as well, um, which is certainly something that has changed, I guess, for all trans people when they start using the opposite bathroom um Mm. it's it's tough in early transition um when you don't know which bathroom to use did you did you guys ever sort of were you ever out in public really need to go to the bathroom and then go oh i can't go because there's no disabled toilet or yeah well for me prior to transition um you know, I had all sorts of things. Like when I was in Bangkok, once I had security come in and pull me out of the women's toilets because I thought I was in the wrong toilets because I was quite androgynous then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and certainly going to the women's bathrooms was always an ordeal, mm-hmm. especially if we, you know, you have a day where you're feeling a bit vulnerable and you just want to blend in. But going to the toilet was like this massive drama, like people when you're walking in staring when you're coming out of the the stall staring people questioning you're allowed to be there mm-hmm. so for many years i just went to the disabled toilets mm-hmm. um occasionally nicked into the guys toilets if you if know there's no one be bothered waiting or yeah yeah um but as soon as i started uh transition um i just started using the guys toilets and it took it took a little while for me to adjust in my mind that mm-hmm. Because no one was even noticing. Like, I'd walk in, people would take no notice, but there would be this whole, oh, my God, they're going to notice I shouldn't be in here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, or someone's going to notice I'm a little bit different. Or, yeah. You know, but as I've masculinized more, um, I don't even really think about it anymore. Mm. Yeah. Just sort of go in and do what I need to do. But it's certainly a different etiquette. Mm. Um People don't look at each other. There's no no eye contact. Yeah, um, yeah. Certainly, Head down, get get to it and get out. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> certainly in the um, in the female toilet, it's sort of a little retreat, a social retreat to discuss <laughs> what's been going on at the dinner table or whatever. But the male toilet is business, um, strictly business. Don't look at anyone. Don't talk to anyone. Mm. Um, which can be beneficial in early transition, I guess, because mm. people aren't scrutinising you mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, you can get away with just ducking in and out. Um, 
we we were before uh, before the show started. We were all sitting around talking about urinals, um, and <laughs> we had Chris on. Chris is on the panel tonight, everybody, and Chris did pipe in, um, and because um, Nate, you've never used a urinal before. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, it, it is possible for listeners who are who thinking how the hell do trans boys use urinals. Um, there are things called STPs, which are stand to pee devices. Um, they come in all sorts of different shapes and sizes and uh, materials. <laughs> um, and um, they're sort of an attachment to your pee hole, I guess. Um, and um, yeah, it allows you to aim. Where you need to aim to. Mm. Um, Better than most cis guys, I think. <laughs> with, less, with less practice. I would agree with that. that was, From what I can see, anyway. Yeah, that was one of the things that I, I, I sh- that shocked me in mm. male bathrooms. I was like, how how do they not get it in the toilet? <laughs> um, so, uh, STPs. Now, Nate, you um, left a little comment on our Facebook page saying that you uh, had trouble with an STP that you bought. Yeah, so initially um, I went and looked at all these things and I was like, because there's sort of varying range of prices and there's all different types of stuff. So I thought, oh, look, I'll just do something really basic. And I'd heard that if you had a medicine spoon, if you sort of cut the end off, then that sort of works. And I thought, oh, I'll try that. So it's this sort of tiny little spoon. And I was thinking, oh, you know, that kind of... Discreet? Kind of, yeah, discreet. So it's yeah. good. It fits into your pocket because you kind of don't want to be sort of in a rush. But... Um, I suppose if you're ever going to use a device, I would strongly recommend practicing at home in the shower before you yep. practiced wearing clothing and wearing your try, good jeans. Yeah, <laughs> trying to aim in a tiny little funnel that yep. you know it just it got a little bit messy. That's yep. all. <laughs> Sounds a bit traumatic. Um, we'll be back with more of that. You're listening to Transpositions on Joy 94.9. And we've been having some very interesting discussions during that song, which was American Horror Story Coven soundtrack, House of the Rising Sun. I hope you enjoyed it because Chris on the panel didn't enjoy it. <laughs> um, now, Reuben and Nate, um, we're talking STPs. So, Nate, you were telling us about your little medicine spoon, which was um, traumatic. <laughs> um, so, anyone listening out there, unless you have really good aim or know exactly how your flow is going to come out, <laughs> then um, maybe not use a medicine spoon. But, or um, practice a lot. Or practice a lot in the shower, as Nate said. Um, so, um, now, Ruben, do you, do you use STPs? Recently, relatively new kid on the block when it comes to STPs. Yeah. Um, yeah, one thing that we were talking about on the break was the psychology of um, peeing, yep. uh, standing up. Probably until about a month ago, I just thought, why would you bother? Yeah. And um, I don't know if it's a primal urge or an- another part of my exploration as as a trans guy. But, um, yeah, I've certainly been experimenting with that in the last few weeks. And so I started off with a P-style, but... Um, the issue, I mean, I've, I haven't had one accident with it, which is great, but it's quite big, so it's sort of hard to carry around in your pocket without looking like you've got, you know, a weapon. A weapon. <laughs> well, yeah, that's one way of <laughs> what describing shape, what, it. What does it look like? Can you describe? Mm, gee, what I was it looks about like? to get it out of my pocket. Oh. But <laughs> no one can see it on the radio. Um, it's like a. 
it's almost like the shape of a bird beak. So it's wider at the part where you obviously put it in your junk or your mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it sort of narrows down as as where the, the urine comes out. So uh, it's more of a... Well, I haven't really paid that close attention to cis guys urinating, but I imagine the flow's pretty similar. Um, but I have no problems with that. It's just literally carrying it around, which is mm, a, it's a pain. pain. Yeah. Mm. I suppose it's a pain if you want to be in your board shorts in summer or something like mm. that. Where do you put it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you were saying that um, you find it you're sort of starting to um, connect with that appeal of peeing standing up. <laughs> and, and Nate, do you feel that way as well? You, you were saying that you can't be bothered. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm, I'm in my lazy phase, I suppose. Like, yeah. I don't, I think initially, um, so about six months ago, I was like, yeah, I need to stand up. And that's, you know, that's what guys do. They go to the toilet, they stand up. Yeah. And then I was just kind of like, well, there's always like a cubicle and a seat. Um, so why not sit down? Like, yeah, yeah. Just why not? kind of yeah. Mm. So I got lazy. Mm. I remember the first time I was going to men's bathrooms, and I actually had to ask someone, "Can cis men pee sitting down?" Because I didn't know um, if they could, and so I didn't want to be caught sitting down and peeing. Like you know, you can tell if someone's peeing because you can hear the pee noise, and this <laughs> is getting put on. But um, you know, I didn't want to be caught sitting down peeing and spun someone to go, "Hang on, dudes can't do that," but they can do mm. that. They can. So why why do why do guys stand up and go through that whole urinal etiquette when they can just have a cubicle to themselves? Mm. I don't know, like I think um, the psychology of it for me is having like the full, and, and I know it's we're just talking about urinating, but there's something, I don't know, r- ritualistic or something to be a guy and to stand up. Mm. And because I haven't had that experience, I'm experimenting with that and sometimes I'll probably be like Nate and go, I can't be bothered or the pee style is just too big. So, mm. you know, I'm just going to freestyle and sit down today. But... um. Yeah, I think it's something about the psychology of standing up and I don't know. It's hard to it's hard yeah. to explain because until a few weeks ago, I was like, "Why would you bother?" Like, mm. I don't get it. But yeah, it's just experimenting and working out what's right for you, for you, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Well, um, before I said, even with canines, they like to pee on things and mark their territory, and and it's a sign of dominance, and it might be. Something similar with humans, mm, possibly, yeah, possibly. <laughs> um, if I start urinating on trees everywhere, you know, there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, look, I would love to hear from you if you want to SMS oh four two seven joy nine four nine, or you can call the front desk on one three hundred joy nine four nine, or email us on air at joy dot org dot au. And we've had a message in tonight saying so many deep voices on tonight, and a few cute giggles too. <laughs> Thanks for that. That's Nate's cute giggle, not mine, I promise. (laughs) Um, Now, um, going back to um, surgery without hormones, Ruben, I I forgot to ask you a few questions. Mm -hmm. Um, What what was the requirements to to have surgery without hormones? Was it the same as any FTM guy who wants surgery, or was it a little bit different? Mm. 
because I'd already been to Finton, psychiatrist, in 2007 before I had the breast reduction, which even sounds bizarre when I talk about it, but um, when I had the breast reduction, uh, we'd already started the conversation about transition, as I mentioned earlier, and then yeah. when I had the, the double mastectomy again, um, I went back to Finton, and for some reason I just thought he was going to go, you're crazy, you don't know what you want, see you later, but he was like... Yeah, I was wondering when this was going to happen sort of thing. So that was really validating. And, um, yeah, and when I went to Andy, he was great as well. Like I just said, I want to be female but with no breasts. Um, So there was no issue for me as in they didn't say, well, you have to start testosterone because obviously that wasn't on the table. But, um, yeah, there were certainly any issues. And I I had a young trans guy the other day asking me if, the results from surgery are different if you mm. have the surgery before um, you start the testosterone. And I mean, that question's difficult to answer. I mean, because obviously I don't have the other experience, but mm. um, I don't see any difference between me and any other trans guy who has started testosterone before the surgery uh, and vice versa. I guess it's really your personal journey and your personal choice. I can't imagine have ever... Um, starting testosterone before having surgery. Like, I I can't imagine, for me, having um, chest still and being on testosterone. That would have just been too hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just happened how it's meant to. I mean, yeah. So I don't see yeah. any, any, del- any uh, sorry, disadvantages to having surgery before you start testosterone. Okay. And when you spoke to Andy Ives, because he was your surgeon for... um, uh, Megan Hassel did the breast reduction Mm -hmm. and then Andy did the actual mastectomy. Yep. Yep. Um, So did Andy say that there were any difficulties um, without testosterone or was he a bit hesitant or anything? No, not at all. It was great. Cool, awesome. Just so went in and said, this is what I want and yep. we talked through the the risks like with any surgery and yep. um, what the scarring would be like, all that sort of stuff and um, so you make an informed choice about what, you know, and realistic um, perception of how things will turn out. Yes. Yep. Um, so, you yeah, know, he was fantastic. Mm. Mm. And, Nate, you went to Andy Ives? Yeah. Yep. And um, so how long has it been since your surgery? Um, it's about six, seven, seven months maybe. Seven months. Yeah. Nice. And all is all good? Yeah. All's yeah. great. Yeah, you're happy with it? And very, very happy. Um, no complaints. Forgotten what it's like. I suppose to have to wear a binder and all those sorts of things, which is kind of a weird thing that I never thought I would get to. Yeah, kind of have almost forgotten what it was like to have a different chest. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Awesome. And Ruben, I suppose you did you ever use a binder, or did you just kind of go straight from a bra to nothing? So before. Um, before the breast reduction, I was quite large. Mm-hmm. God, I feel like it I'm feels weird, about, doesn't it? Oh, it feels yeah. totally bizarre. Yeah. Feels like I'm talking about something, com- someone completely different. Um, but then I, so because I was quite small, I think 12A or something, f- um, so I just wore like a, not a sports bra, but one of those boob tube sort of oh, yeah. tops, so I flattened things out, and then I just went straight from that to um, double mastectomy. Yeah. Yep, no binding. Yeah, nice. Yep, I like to go to extremes, you know. <laughs> Straight to double the second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, nice. And your chest is going all good. Um, yeah. Are you happy with it? 
I am. Um, there's some pretty big scars there. Um, I'm actually starting getting some tattooing over them tomorrow, um, getting a whole chest front sort of piece. So for me, I don't want to let scars, um, and some guys don't mind about scars, I actually love them or like them. Mm-hmm. For me, um, I don't want that to stop me from, you know, being as free as I can and getting my kid off at the beach. And mm. yeah, so. So you you still have a bit of a problem with your scars? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I just don't like them. I'd prefer not to have them. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair enough. Nate, how do you feel about your scars? I quite like them. Like, you like them. I I think um, for me is that I don't I don't particularly care that they're there, but I also kind of think I went through some really big things, and I've kind of got like it's kind of like you know I went through a really big thing, and I've got something to sort of show for it. Mm-hmm. So because I lost something, so I should have something to sort of for it to be there and it, it's kind of fun to um i've been asked once when i was at the beach by kid um oh, what's that and i was like oh i got bitten by a shark yeah um and that's fun like yeah. the look on his face he was horrified <laughs> you know i like petrifying small children clearly yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah you could come up with all sorts of stories yeah. yeah absolutely i um i haven't had chest surgery yet but i think that i would um find the scars sentimental and I don't, I don't think I'd have a problem with them, um, as long as my partner didn't, and she's mm. quite open to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Ruben, you're seeing someone at the moment, mm-hmm. and um, does she love your chest? She does. She yeah. does. Um, I'm going to say some good things because I think she's listening at the moment. But um, hi, hi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. No, she doesn't see the scars at all. Yeah, um, yeah. Like we've spoken about that a few times, and. Yeah, she just doesn't even notice that they're there. So mm. she just sees me and how comfortable I am um, in myself. And, you know, mm. I'm certainly a lot more comfortable in a whole range of ways. Um, and that shows through. So, yeah, people see that. They see, you know, who you are, not, you know, a couple of small incisions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's um, not a problem. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And does your partner, what? I hope she doesn't mind me asking. <laughs> what does she identify as? Does she have a label on her sexuality, or is she just um, no. I think it's pansexual? Do they, do they call it? I think um, she's very. Uh, gotta be careful here. No, <laughs> no she's very. Um, she doesn't like labels. Mm-hmm. Um, the irony is my my previous uh, girlfriend who broke up with me because she was a lesbian is now with her third boyfriend okay. um which i find quite ironic and um can chuckle about now but yeah. um and who was quite wrapped up in labels my my um, partner now is um just whoever she falls in love with um so you know she's been with cis guys women now trans guy and this is all new to her as well um yep. So, you know, she certainly didn't see that in her horoscope of, um, yeah, falling in love with a trans guy. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, that's Mm. fantastic. Um, my partner's a bit the same. She just says to me that she's in love with the person I am Mm -hmm. and not what I am, um, which, yeah, I'm very lucky to have that. Mm. Um, now I wondered, Ruben, if you, um, wanted to tell us a little bit about how um 
your feeling about your sexuality now, if it's changing, um, how it was before. Mm-hmm. And same with you, Nate. Um, if you don't mind sharing, we'll um, come back with a little bit of that. Um, you're listening to Transpositions on Joy 94.9. You're on Transpositions on Joy 94.9, and that was a lovely little ditty by Johnny Flynn, The Rote and the Writ. Um, and I'm here with Ruben and Nate, and we were just about to start talking about sexuality, um, because it is quite common with uh, trans people to have change of sexuality. Um, and, um, yeah, it can happen, um, and it, it hasn't really happened for me, I, I don't think, I don't really know, but... A, a lot of trans guys have a, f- a fluid mm-hmm. sexuality and or a fluid fluidity in their sexuality. Nate, ha- have you felt that your sexual attractions <laughs> have changed? Yeah. Um, I think so. Before I sort of transitioned, I was predominantly female attracted. Um, and then I think it's sort of as I started to, I don't know if it was more environmental. So like as I started to be going out to sort of gay clubs and no longer ladies were no longer paying me attention and suddenly all these guys were starting to pay me attention and I was kind of like oh that's kind of cool like you know and so then started to sort of think about like that sort of stuff so mm-hmm. it's sort of opening I suppose that sort of door of, of possibilities and I think I've sort of got to a stage where I'm pretty comfortable completely comfortable sort of within myself um, and so I am sort of attracted to Everything, like yeah. Um, yeah. anything, anyone, um, really. I hope just, just people now. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, just people. <laughs> just people. Um, and so, so yeah, so that's sort of completely changed in that I just, um, yeah, mm. just anything really goes. It's more about people rather than sort of what's in people's pants and mm. things like that. Yeah. I, I find it interesting that you say that it's it's more about body comfort. Um and and Ruben, I suppose for you, you know, the flat chest is the body comfort thing mm-hmm. and it's sort of you feel more free to be yourself and you feel more comfortable with what that other person's touching. Mm. Um, yeah, because I, I certainly felt that when I was presenting as female, if I was with a man, it made me feel really, really yucky, mm-hmm. sort of. Um, yeah, but I think uh, if I was to be with a man now... Um, and Candace, don't worry, I still love you. Um, I, w- I wouldn't have that sort of fear as as back then, and I'd be more open to it, and I'd be you know willing to try it, and probably um, would enjoy it more than back when I was prevent- presenting as female. And I think with that sort of body comfort is that initially I was like, well, I can't, I could never be with a straight guy because they're not going to want to be with a guy, but then I couldn't be with a gay guy because they're not necessarily going to see me as a guy and there was a lot of stuff that sort of internal dialogue of Mm. and it goes back to that what is a guy Mm. um and so it wasn't until i think i had that switch of well i am just a guy i just you know have different things um and so and actually being comfortable with that and so then i think if you're projecting that then you sort of get that comfort back as well definitely yeah Mm. i like to look at it as as if we're special guys (laughs) special people um (laughs) Um, yes. Yeah, because people, <laughs> when you say you're a trans man and 
you say that to someone who doesn't really know any trans men, they have this newfound curiosity and they want to know things about you and they look at you with this mm. wondering, you know, I want to know more, tell me more. But, uh, but they're not allowed to ask. <laughs> yeah, they're not allowed to ask because it's rude. You can't <laughs> ask someone how they have sex, no matter if they're trans or not. But they people still want do. to know. People, do they? Mm. Have you had that happen, Ruben? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. What have you got in your pants? Really? Yeah. Strangers? Yeah. Or what's pe- your real name? Oh, yeah. What's your yeah. real name? I've got that one before. Yeah. Or why are you changing your name? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, that's another premiere on this show. <laughs> Probably uh, a whole other show. Yeah, I'll leave what I, where I was going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nate, have you been asked any awkward questions like that? Um, I think the it's not so much the awkward, but I, I have been asked like, have you had the op? Or oh, are you the completely? Op. Have you completely transitioned? And I'm always like, well, which op? What are you mm. talking about? Yeah. What do you mean fully? So yeah. I like to mess with people in response, um, nice, rather nice. than actually, you know, in saying, well, what do you mean? And actually get them to say it because often they're too embarrassed to actually ask if you've, you know, had an operation to get mm. a penis. Like that's mm. they just they won't say that. They'll just oh, oh you know. Yeah, they won't so, say, have you got a penis yeah, yet? Exactly. <laughs> no one would say that. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it would be very awkward if someone did. And and I find it, if you're not going to ask a uh, cisgendered person the question, don't ask a trans person mm. the question. Um, and, you know, I don't walk up to people and say, hi, I'm Kurt, I, I'm Kurt and I'm trans. And currently I do not have a penis. And <laughs> I still have a Let's get all the main questions out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now that you know um, yeah, what my body looks like, then we can get to know each other. <laughs> um, but it is interesting what sort of questions you do come across, um, especially in early transition. Um, I had a few weird questions. And, um, yeah, it can sort of – it can play with your mind a little bit in, that, in those mm. fragile – uh, stages of early transition. Mm. Um, it, it sort of goes along with um, being misgendered and that sort of, um, you know, that really sensitive, mm. those sensitive and things. And re- re- reactionary and, yeah, reactive to people, um, yeah, misgendering you or thinking they're misgendering you. Yeah. That's it, yeah. As yeah. you become more masculine, I think um, that stuff for me has been less important because I'm just read as a guy now so yeah. um yeah i'm less sensitive to that because the people who have misgendered me look ridiculous not exactly. me <laughs> and exactly. people are standing there looking at them going why are you calling him she look yeah at him like you're crazy yeah you know? absolutely so, yeah yeah that's right well it's been awesome uh, chatting to you guys tonight um you're on Transpositions on Joy 94.9. And uh, we are wrapping up Transpositions. Uh, if you would like to go to our Facebook page, you can uh, find the link on the Joy website, joy.org.au. And you can also find the podcasts from previous shows, which are to the Joy website, joy.org.au. Um, so enjoy the podcasts. Uh, I've been enjoying them. Um, and this episode should be podcast soon. If you want to hear uh, Ruby and Nate talking again about STPs. Uh, it was a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for having me on. That's yeah, all thanks. right. Um, now, Ruben, you told me you were nervous before you came on, and was it worth it? Oh, can we keep going? We can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, well, it's been great to have you guys here. Thank you so much for coming in. And, Chris, thank you for doing an awesome job on the panel. And do t- tune in uh, to Joy 94.9 next Tuesday. I will speak to you then. You're on Joy 94.9.
You've been listening to Transpositions. We love your feedback. And if you want to share your own story, email us during the week, transpositions at joy.org.au or contact us via social media. You'll find all the links at joy.org.au forward slash transpositions. Thank you for listening to Transpositions on Joy 94.9. Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.